0: What is up, boys and girls, and welcome back to the What'd You Think Podcast. As of tomorrow, it will have been 14 days Ouch. since our last upload, yes. Um, two weeks, so technically we skipped a week, I guess, because this one will be out on the second week mark. Um, a, I want to apologize for <laughs> that. Um, we've been real busy, but we're back at it. We've got a couple good things to talk about, and... We are going to get back on our weekly schedule. Um, this one might not be, you know, as long as some of the other ones. Just because we have watched some of these films um, more than, you know, four or five days ago. Um, so, with that being said, as always, I'm your host, Brandon. And beside me is my co-host and wife.
1: The most perfect human being in this room.
0: Chapstick McGee. <laughs> so, today we are going to talk about... Beyond the Gates, Mommy, Dead and Dearest, which is an HBO documentary, Get Out, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So, you want to jump right in? Yeah. Alright, let's do it. So, Beyond the Gates is a just under 90 minute adventure horror film from 2016 that is on Netflix, and basically it follows two estranged brothers who reunite at their missing father's video store to find a VCR board game dubbed... Beyond the Gates, that holds a connection to their father's disappearance. So, this checks a lot of boxes for us. Yes, it does. We collect VHS tapes, we're a big fan of that form of media, uh, we're big board game fans, and we're big horror fans. So,
1: And the cover art's pretty cool.
0: It is, it, it's got that traditional like hand-painted cover style. So, with all those factors, what'd you think?
1: Alright, I was really excited when I, well first, this movie was on like the recommended slash currently trending, whatever it's called on Netflix, so I was like, alright, this must be, this must be the hot ticket right now. Um, I loved it. The acting is great, the set is great, like you said, it hits a lot of stuff for our interest, you don't see a lot of, um, VHS and horror type, um, settings and movies anymore, um, not even ever, I don't really think. I just think it's a really unique concept, and it has just enough of that uh, nostalgia to the, the late um, 80s, early 90s that um, it's just, it's fun, and it's immersive, and it seems like something that could actually happen. Like, there, the suspension of belief is so good in it, and a lot of that is because of the storytelling, because of the setting, because the actors are fantastic. Um, anybody who watched Video Game High School, Shane Pizza is one of the main brothers. So, it's all in all, I mean, it's, it's great. And there's there's gore in it, but it's well-placed. It's one of those movies where everything is methodically placed, in my opinion, to pack the right punch. It's not too much of anything.
0: Yeah, it, it's very, very well done. It feels very much like an expert indie film. Um it has those subtle nuances as a kind of independent, possibly low-budget horror movie would. Uh, Bria Grant is the uh, girlfriend, basically, in this film. She was with Kevin Pereira from Attack of the Show for a long time, so there might be some crossover if you, you know, happen to know that I stuff. I didn't know that's who that was. Um, but it's a really, really good independent horror film, and it's got a unique take. On um, the VHS board game thing that was a big deal in the 80s,
1: and I didn't even know that was a thing. Yes,
0: the the issue is they're hard to f- to get your hands on nowadays. Um, but they were a big deal, and they were great for you know sleepovers and slumber parties and you know nonsense like that. Um, and to see this as you know a modern t- you know like a modern movie focused around this old fashioned thing. And the one brother still stuck in the past, and the other one's, you know, grown up. And it's just a really great dynamic of all the characters. The set design is absolutely incredible. The video shop. The shot,
1: score is great.
0: The score's phenomenal, especially for an indie movie.
1: I hate to compare everything that has any sort of 80s nostalgia to Stranger Things, because I can't stand when people do that. But it's that kind of a score, you know, the heavy synth yeah. kind of thing. It's great.
0: Yeah, you know, anything with synth is, is pretty much going to be good, in my opinion. Um... The video store itself is actually a video store, um, Eddie something's Saturday matinee in Northern California, um or Northern Hollywood, I'm sorry, is actually a VHS shop that is still in business. Really. They still sell, you know, VHS tapes. Um, and they're just focused around nostalgic media. And, you know, that's that's awesome. That's because that's my favorite thing in the world is, you know, old fashioned media and and movies. So Overall, this checks a lot of box for me just in that sense. It's a a nostalgic take on VHS tapes in a unique kind of horror setting. It almost feels like, take this with a grain of salt. Alright. It almost feels like a Goosebumps movie that is for teenagers, not for preteens.
1: I could see that. And I think a lot of it's because it's the same sort of vibrant colors. It has the same... And not that it's not well produced because if you say goosebumps, you automatically think it's not produced very well, but
0: people like our age love goosebumps, yeah, so it like it it hits on that tone. well,
1: the way this story is set up it i that's amazing, I didn't even think about that. it very much reads like a goosebumps story, you know there's it jumps almost right into it, there's a mystery, um it's two brothers they're doing this flashback to their childhood kind of thing. I think it works really well together as a Goosebumps scenario, and that's yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think if you or anyone you know is has been a fan of the Goosebumps TV show, um, or even the new Goosebumps movie with Jack Black, Goosebumps. Yes. What did I say?
1: Goosebumps.
0: Oh, you know, <laughs> I'm getting old. But anyway, if you're a fan of Goosebumps, this is definitely something you should check out. It, it's really, really good. It's unique, and I think that it needs to be exposed to a broader audience. Because I would like to see more movies in this vein. You know? Um, So, it's got a 5.2 out of 10 on IMDb. (laughs) And a 59 Metacritic score. It's an indie horror movie Mm -hmm. that's obscure and based on something from the 80s that people think is trash now. Yeah. Literally trash. Like, throw it away. Garbage. Not, like, trash, like, metaphorically. But...
1: (laughs) Thanks for clarifying.
0: You know, with with those ratings and with taking in that taking that in consideration, what do you think in score wise? A
1: Six point
0: five. I was going to say six point five as well. It's it's very good. I enjoy it thoroughly. And on our rating system, a six point five is good. You need to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anything above that is blowing us out of the water, basically. Um, so t- it's on Netflix. You have no reason not to watch it. I think. Yeah. Um, it's it's in those. That kind of list of you have to watch it. Like, when you ask me for recommendations, it's going to be in that list. So, yeah. watch it. Um, the director of this also was a writer for Supernatural, and he did a segment in 12 Deadly Days. So, he's got a little bit of kind of interesting stuff under his belt. He did Black Box TV, which I don't know if you know what that is, but Black Box TV was a YouTube channel focused around horror and thriller. I don't- and suspense shorts that was very, very, very well produced and high end, but sadly, um, to my knowledge, didn't do that well.
1: Well, most, that's how most horror anthology shorts so type deal do.
0: But overall, awesome director, awesome crew, very, very satisfied with that movie. Yeah, me too. So, um, with that being said, I did want to jump over and briefly discuss some news. Okay. Now, I told you this news, and it was one of the best things that's ever happened to me. So, some of the viewers, listeners, I guess, not viewers, listeners, may know, I'm a huge Universal Monsters movie fan, okay? Huge. Love the Universal Monsters. Time and time again, they've tried to start up a cinematic universe. It's always failed, because they give us shitty movies like I, Frankenstein, or Victor Frankenstein, or...
1: What's wrong with
0: those? They're just not good. Sadly, once again... They're giving us the mummy. However, this movie is got a high budget. It's got a popular. Um, I'm
1: actually excited to see. It's this. got a, You know,
0: it, it looks like it could be decent. So they've officially branded this as the Dark Universe. I'm real fucking hyped because this is everything I've ever wanted in life. And great news—they announced the next film in the Dark Universe Cinematic yes, Universe. Yes, they did. And y'all motherfuckers don't understand how excited I am. Bride of Frankenstein They're not even doing Frankenstein They're jumping straight to Bride of Frankenstein Which
1: is interesting because she was only in the Frankenstein movie For like 30 seconds, no dialogue
0: Well she was in Bride of Frankenstein
1: Right, but I think it's interesting that they're going straight to that Yeah,
0: it's, it's gonna be awesome Because I think that's gonna solve the issue of A Frankenstein movie Being boring for a lot of people Because they think they know the backstory Of Victor Frankenstein and his monster But you don't Unless you've watched the movie from the late 50s, right. early 60s. And actually do yourself a favor. Get on Amazon by the complete Frankenstein anthology series. It is a 8 Blu-ray combo pack. And it's worth every penny. So, check that out. Get hyped. And for the love of God, go see The Mummy in theaters like I will be. Just because they need our money. So they'll keep making Universal <laughs> Monster movies. So, moving on. Um, Next in our discussion this week is kind of a depressing topic, but we're going to talk about the HBO documentary, Mommy Dead and Dearest. So, just under 90 minutes, like I said, it's a documentary, and it came out March 11th of 2017. And this documentary basically follows the murder of Dee Dee Blanchard by her daughter, Gypsy Rose, as well as the circumstances leading up to it and a little bit of the kind of repercussions. Yes. And how it is kind of perceived by people outside this of
1: this is all over social media. Yes. Or it was a week ago.
0: So gotta get some of that Mountain do in my life, you know what I'm saying? Oh
1: yeah, do it up, baby.
0: Yeah. Um so, once again, I'm gonna hit you with this one. What'd you think?
1: Alright, you know I'm a true crime junkie. This yes, is like it's right. like
0: that episode of South Park where they like <laughs> the parents Are you doing that weird true crime, like, sex stuff?
1: Yeah, uh, every day when I get home from work, there's, like, four hours before Brandon gets home, and I just sit and I watch. Somebody's gonna
0: BTK kill you now.
1: Listen, come in. I got a gun, (laughs) I got mace, I got knives, I'm watching true crime, I will fuck you
0: up. I sleep next to a 9mm, I dare you.
1: (laughs) Come at me, bro. Anyway, I just watched, like, a shit ton of forensic files. Anyway, back to this. Sorry. I saw an email that I have to, I have to address. Anyway, I, I was like really hyped for this. I heard this case come out and it was from, I saw it actually on Facebook and I did not believe it. Like months ago, whenever the whole Gypsy Rose thing kind of came out and I would, I forgot about it. And I'm so glad that they turned this into a documentary because her story needs to be told. It's not very often where you sympathize with the murderer, um, In any scenario, but this is so interesting because Gypsy Rose's mother was an abuser in the worst possible sense. She made up this whole fake life and forced Gypsy into it. Before
0: you get into specifics, I don't want to spoil a whole lot because this is such a powerful documentary.
1: What I'm saying is background. I mean, people, if you know anything about it, you know that there was a fraudulent activity happening Put on by D.D. Blanchard.
0: That may or may not make the murder of her mother seem Correct. justified.
1: Anyway, so, I mean, there is, they really try not to be biased in the documentary, but it's very difficult. Um, D.D. Blanchard's, there's an interview with her father and her stepmom, and it's like, the stepmom is like, I hope she rots. Like, nobody cares that she's dead. And the dad, like, kind of co- corroborate. Co- he kind of backs her on it. <laughs> Can't say that word. Um, but you have that side of it. Like, why, why Dee Dee was bad. She's been doing st- stuff like this her whole life. You get... Um, there's actual interviews with Gypsy, which is really cool. You get stuff from Gypsy's father, because, like, one of the first things you're thinking of was, like, what's her dad doing in this situation? Like, where was he? Um, it's really fantastic. It paints the whole picture, and I think it does a really, really well job. Really, really well job? A really good job of doing that.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think you you pretty much hit every nail. Um, HBO documentaries are almost always good. Um you know, for the most part, you're not gonna come away from an HBO documentary disappointed unless you fall on the opposite end of the kind of opinion that was set forth. But you know, technically, good documentary. Everything is is, you know, seems to be factual and, you know, up to date and interesting. Um and overall you gotta you get a lot of really unique opinions and You know, it's just good. Overall, I was very satisfied with this documentary and the way they present the whole situation. Um, And I think you guys definitely should check this out. We talk all the time about how HBO is totally worth the money. It's really cheap. I'm actually going to go watch Silicon Valley while I eat dinner because it's a real good show. And y'all should check out Silicon Valley as well, which has been renewed for season 5. And TJ Miller is not going to be on it. So... That's is that sad. like
1: real news? Or yes, news? no,
0: that's been confirmed. So I'm hoping they kill Ehrlich Bachman. Like literally, I hope he really? dies. Because I don't know how you're going to write him off in a way that's not like uh, going to make the audience mad. If you kill him, we'll feel sad like we did Peter Gregory. But if he just leaves, we're going to be pissed. You know what I mean? So not to go off on a huge tangent, but HBO is well worth the investment and you get a lot of great documentaries. And you can watch this. And after you've watched this, check out the generation y and the my F- and the my favorite murder podcast about this case because yes. both of them are very unique and very interesting and i think they bring, you know, great opinions to this.
1: Are we scoring this? Can we score um, it? Um
0: i would like to score it. Okay. It feels it always feels weird scoring a documentary, but
1: well especially a true crime documentary.
0: Yeah. So, it's got a 7.5 out of 10 on IMDb and what are you thinking?
1: I want to give it an 8.
0: You're going to give it an 8? Mm-hmm. think think. I think just in a documentary sense, I'm going to give it a 7. Okay. So we're going to average out to a 7.5. Um, you know, it's, it's not necessarily like a mind-blowing movie, but on a documentary rating system, I think it earns that score. So, big fan. Definitely check it out.
1: Yeah, I think. And I've already gotten multiple people to watch it at work, so... Go for it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You'll enjoy it. And it is well worth the time. Especially just to learn all this information. Um, And while Abby attends to her email with the loud clicking. I'm
1: almost done.
0: um, I'm going to jump over and talk about something she actually hasn't seen, but I went and saw. Um, And that's going to be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Which, you know, is a little over two hours. It's an action adventure, you know... It's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it basically follows the Guardians as they try to figure out Peter's dad. And it's really kind of, it almost just feels like a giant montage for the first pff, hour and a half. Um, and it's not a bad thing, you know. At first, you you know, I really kind of enjoyed it, and then about an hour and a half into it, I went, "Man, there's no real plot." And basically the whole plot kind of synthesizes itself after that hour and a half. You realize what the plot is and why it's important. And then you get a resolution fairly quickly after, but it's not disappointing. You know, a lot of the times when you not, when that was very poor language, Um, a lot of the times when you don't have a plot that is necessarily right in your face and you're aware of it, um, it tends to be disappointing. But
1: so there's no action.
0: There, there's a ton of action. It it almost feels like there.
1: It almost feels like in a
0: video game how you have to go do random shit just to fill time. Yeah, there's a lot of time filling, and it's not bad. It, it's very fun. You get you get the fun side of the Guardians, but you don't get that investment until an hour or so into the movie. But the the story that you eventually piece together and. When they hit you with the bomb, that is, you know, what's actually happening in the movie is absolutely mind blowing. It's 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 incredible. I saw this in the theater with one of my friends, and we're the only two people in the theater. Really? Yes, we're the only two people in the whole in the whole theater. We had the whole thing to ourselves, so we actually talked freely and openly the whole time. Um, and we both are film students, so we kind of approach it that way. Um, and we both like that, you know, this. Let's say "quote unquote" twist of what the story actually is is an incredible thing to do, and it's very unique. But it is weird to not know what the movie's about until it's almost over.
1: Yeah, it kind of feels like you're uh, being cheated. I oh, mean, I didn't bit. watch it, but
0: almost. But like I said, the and I'll tell you when we go off air. But the when you find out what the plot is, it's so incredible, and you didn't expect it at all that it's worth it. It's worth the payoff. I trust you. Um, But overall, I mean, it really is just a montage of everything you liked about the first movie, but more. Okay. You know, it's just the laughs are better, Groot's cooler, Rocket Raccoon and and, uh, Star-Lord fight. Like, it's everything. I mean, I see it
1: has a pretty good score, so.
0: Now, coming into this, the hype was real. I mean, everybody was so excited for this, even though the first one nobody knew a damn thing about. So that was the biggest problem was, you know, the hype machine behind this. And I'm going to say it actually lived up to expectations. It's by no means better than the first one, but it definitely stands right beside it. Um, very good. I think if you have any interest in this or the Marvel Universe, it's definitely worth checking out. Um, as you know, we're not huge Marvel fans. No. But this is up there in one of my favorite Marvel movies, right alongside with the first one. And I think it's definitely worth checking out. Um, I think it's better at home, too. Because, like I said, being able to talk freely with someone as you watch it adds to this movie. It really adds to the experience. So, it's got an 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb and a 67 Metacritic. And I'm going to give it a 7. Like I said, it's really good. Off the top of my head, I would give the original an 8. So, I think that kind of can help you see where it lies. Um, Obviously, Abby hasn't seen this, so I don't want to go too long on what I thought of it.
1: No, you screwed the pooch on that one. You've been talking for a long time. You
0: were doing your email.
1: I've been done with my email.
0: I will fight you, and then you'll be fought. Okay. So, go check it out, guys. It's pretty decent. And, last but not least, we're going to talk about Get Out. Are you ready for this? Okay. Okay. So, Get Out is an hour and 44 minute mystery horror film. And let's uh, let's go over the synopsis. It's a little wordy. Why don't you hop in there and give them the synopsis. Okay.
1: Um, it is time for a young African American, I would rather say black, huh. it's time for a young black man to meet with his girlfriend's His white girlfriend's parents for a weekend in their secluded estates in the woods. But before long, the friendly and polite ambiance will give way to a nightmare.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not crazy about that synopsis.
1: No. Basically, this really talented black photographer living in the city and his hot white girlfriend go to meet her family. He has concerns. He's like, Do they know I'm black? She's like, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And he's like, he gives her that look. You know the look I'm talking about. Um, Anyway, so they do. They go up to her family's secluded lake house estate where he proceeds to be the only black guy and live that life. And then things turn a little crazy and creepy. And that's basically the synopsis, but on
0: steroids. Yeah, I mean, I think the only way to get a vision for what this film is, is to watch the trailer. Yeah. But I almost want to tell people, don't watch the trailer, just watch the film.
1: Yeah, I'm sure everyone's seen the trailer, though.
0: Because it is, it's phenomenal. I mean.
1: Written and directed by Jordan Peele of Key and Peele, the sketch comedy show at Comedy Central. One One of the best sketch comedy shows, in my opinion, that has ever existed. I can't
0: think of a better one.
1: They are like geniuses in in the comedy world, I think I mean their comedy is fantastic yeah. i could I cannot suck their dicks enough on how good their comedy
0: is and to apply that to this, comedy and horror are written in the exact same way, yep, you're delivering the exact same emotion, just tweaked a little bit, so to have such a legend like Jordan Peel, I mix those two up so easily, um, but to have him who's a comedic genius to come over and do horror fits so, so well. He does such a great job. And I guess it's time for me to ask you what you think about it overall.
1: Right. Um, I was hyped from this movie from the moment I saw it. I saw the trailer when it dropped. And I was, I remember saying this is going to be revolutionary. This is the movie that we need right now. I mean, there's so much loaded social commentary. It's not even loaded because it's, it's purposeful. There's, we talk all the time about how there's no horror for the black audience, for the Latina audience, for any person of color. There's not horror out there for him. Um, I read an interview with Jordan Peele where he quotes that, or I guess he cites that he was inspired by, like the Rosemary's Baby, that kind of suspense. Um, that movie's about feminism, and he was talking about how there hasn't been a horror movie that's so impactful when talking about black community and black experience since night of the living dead. Um,
0: yeah.
1: And I think that he has given us something that is going to be truly iconic for a very long time. Um, he handles the subject of race so tastefully in this movie as only the way a black guy could. Um, but he presented in a way that everybody understands, um, As white people, it is so uncomfortable to watch it because even if we don't think that we're racist, by no means do I think that I'm racist, but we all fall on some form of the spectrum of judgment towards people of different um, skin colors, backgrounds. You see, you may not think that you're racist, but um, you can pick up on things that they do that maybe you don't consciously do. Or you see things that your family members do while claiming they're not racist. There's a scene where her dad says, I would have voted for Obama for a third time if I could have. And, like, those sorts of things where it's very blatant. They're trying to get themselves out there and say, hey, man, I support you, but it comes off as very racist. and
0: when you watch the Blu-ray, there is a really interesting... You know, sub documentary in that you know every pretty much every film has a making. It's like ten
1: minutes, yeah. Yes,
0: and in this it that actually is kind of addressed by white people, which is funny. And it talks about how you know there are social social insecurities with race, and it time and time again, even though you don't mean to and you don't mean it to be uncomfortable or weird or say things that can be twisted in a way that become offensive. That's exactly what this is. You know, this whole thing is based on social insecurities and racism just due to, you know, being right. uncomfortable and they, they label that weird, like your grandfather says something that's offensive about basketball, but doesn't mean it offensively. Yeah. It's really interesting, but
1: that just shows the layer of institutionalized racism that we're getting in movies that are like get out. So I mean, yeah, there's that.
0: absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot I want to touch on, but there's it's it's such an interesting film, and there's so many twists.
1: I think that the movie is made for millennials and what is it, Generation X? Like, not my mom was so excited for this movie. My mom was so excited for this movie. We were going to go see it in theaters. Our schedules never mashed up each week. I, when I saw her, she would ask me about this movie. I finished watching it, and I texted her. I was like, "How'd you like it out? We just watched it," and she said. I wasn't impressed. Meanwhile, I'm sitting here thinking it's the second coming of Christ because it's so fantastic. It has so much commentary. But my mom is one of those, you know, I voted for Trump, but go America type people. You know, we have very different political and social beliefs and I think this movie probably made her way more comfortable than she would like to think and it just doesn't jive with her and that's cool I love her she's great but this movie wasn't made for her it was made for me um I love the rise of movies with messages coming out that are entertaining but they also have something deeper there like the witch you know I talk about it every chance I get how much I love the witch and the commentary behind it my mom absolutely hated that movie Again, I think it's one of the best movies that have came out in the last, like, 25 and years. And that's what we
0: talk about so often as being, you know, someone who's interested in literature and someone who's very, you know, deep and interested in the film, that we see movies and films and cinema completely differently than most people.
1: Right, but even beyond that, I think movies like Get Out appeal more to us and people who are younger because... We are more open to the concept of white privilege, of cultural appropriation, big topics that are in this movie that I'm not doing a blanket statement of saying all people that are above the age of 30 aren't familiar with this because there are tons of people. But the average um, Midwestern 40-something-year-old professional is not going to have an appeal to a movie like this where it's message-driven, where it's not... um, this is a horror movie with jump scares and gore and what she wants out of a horror movie. This is a suspense movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely. Um, It's so good. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how to really break it down. Yeah. I don't want to get into the social thing too much. No, I mean, you can talk
1: about it forever and ever and ever. We could
0: talk for hours. And, you know, it had such a cultural impact and a social impact, especially with Twitter and things like that. Um, But really... Beside all that, as a film, it's fucking mind-blowing. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, you know, it it's got tones of comedy, it's got suspense, it's got all this shit. Um, The Friend is my favorite Rod, character yes. out of almost any movie I've seen in the last few years. But there are so much there's so much foreshadowing, there's so many callbacks, there's so many obscure references, there's so much shit that's written into this movie. That it will constantly blow your mind and I really think there's going to be things that will be found years down the road. Mm-hmm. There's so much obscure references and nods and and cues to social things or older films and, you know, photography as an art. Like, there's so much shit in this movie that I could probably watch it two or three times and continue to find obscure references. I'm blown away with Jordan Peele, not only as a comedian and a horror director, but... As someone planning references, I mean yeah. that alone and you is You think
1: an art. Um, comedy is overlooked all the time? I I'm not a fan of comedy. I think that's not anything surprising. But it's so easy to dismiss comedians as being there for just entertainment, for being you know cheap laughs. But When you get true comedians like him who understand the art form and how to use it and how to manipulate it and build on it, it's absolutely amazing. Comedy is so much more than, you know, dick jokes and stuff. It's so timely and it's current and it's just works so well and he did great at it. I mean, they say in the little mini behind the scenes making of thing, like you could never tell that this is his first time directing a movie and you can't. I mean, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah. And and you know, in, in the industry, a skit show is considered to be the most work out of anything possible because you're constantly you're making a new T V show or right. a new movie every week, multiple times a week. And so like this film was done in twenty eight days, which a lot of people don't understand time. That's incredible. Twenty eight days for a feature film of production of, you know, full on filming is unheard of. I mean
1: And in Retrospect, Rob Zombie made thirty-one in twenty-eight days, too. Yeah. So, I mean, you can—they're obviously different movies. You can't—you can't compare them in any way. They don't overlap in any universe. But you see the production value and yeah. the different.
0: Just offhandedly, this isn't an exact number, but just to kind of help people wrap their heads around it, a Harry Potter movie on average takes three to five hundred days mm-hmm. of, of filming and pickups and. All this But shit.
1: there's only two main scenes, backgrounds in this movie, yeah, things like the, that.
0: The, the, the minimal location and, you know, just kind of the location especially and the set design and everything presents itself as the film, you Yeah, know? And that's something we talk about in film and in horror especially is less location is more uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. The, the less you leave an area, the more uncomfortable an audience Yeah, gets. they get
1: restless.
0: Exactly. Um, but I don't want to get too much into that. And like I said, I don't want to go too long in the tooth in this as we're starting to. It's incredible. Watch mm-hmm. it and then start reading about it. Yeah. Because I think reading about some of the references and some of the obscure things you're not going to pick up on makes this film so, so much yeah, better. Yeah,
1: I mean, I said after it was done, I can't wait to see the academic literature that comes out yeah, of it.
0: Yeah, some of the comparisons are going to be great. Um, Honestly, even IMDB's trivia page is fucking incredible. Yeah, it
1: has a bunch of cool facts. Incredible. There's a bunch of stuff on Reddit. I forgot to mention when we were talking about the comedy um, and Rod, the he is such great comic relief, and um, you can when you watch the making of Jordan Peele goes you know into detail of why certain scenes were there, and you can see how much dedication he put into the comedy in it because the tone of the movie will shift so much in a horror if your comic relief isn't perfect. But Rod, the way that um, Jordan Peele juxtaposes the really suspenseful scenes next to rod's really transgressive comedy where he's going off the collar saying things that you know are pushing the the boundaries but fit so well with the overall theme and tone of the movie it it doesn't disrupt anything and it was such i think the comedy makes this movie better as a horror film because you're going from one thing to another and you're getting so much foreshadowing and it's it's just great like
0: Yeah, and... The overall
1: thing is great.
0: We kind of talk about how your audience needs a break. Um, In these movies, in in any real horror movie, your audience needs a break. And that's why you have the teenage audience um, laughing at stupid shit that's not funny, you know? Or, you know, people need the break from the suspense and the horror because you just can't keep suspense that tight for that long
1: yeah and it's not even in horror i mean you can go all the way back to shakespeare he was putting comic relief into his tragedies yeah. into his you know more historical things because if you're having an audience in en- enraptured for more than 30 minutes i mean they're going to start to get bored with something no matter how good and solid it is yeah.
0: and having those comedic breaks done by comedians and not done by the audience by their choice basically Mm -hmm. choosing to laugh at something that that wasn't meant to be laughed at improves the film even more when you have an audience laugh let's say at the nun in the conjuring 2 it's it's not made for that that was not meant to be a laughing moment but when you put comedy into the film intentionally it continues to increase it the timing gets better everything continues to be better when you break the timing you know you're right. you're taking your audience out. You stay immersed in this film the entire time. Yeah. And that really goes to show how good of a director Jordan is. Yeah. So
1: so let's talk scores.
0: Jeez. Oh, okay.
1: I know for a fact it has a 99 on Rotten Tomatoes. I know we don't do Rotten Tomatoes, but I think that's really, we, really fantastic. We, we
0: don't. And we can go into that someday. No, we have want. already
1: <laughs> gone over it. I just, whenever you look it up, that's what, yeah. it's like, the first thing that So it's got a
0: 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb, and it's got an 84 Metacritic. So, what are you going to score it? And I think you're going to be surprised by my score.
1: I want to give it a 10, but I'm going to give it a 9.5.
0: I'm going to give it a 9.5. Technically, as a film, it's a 10. Emotionally, as a film, it's a 9. You know, Overall, the film's a 9. But the screenwriting and the script is so impeccable that it, it almost deserves a perfect score. But I feel because it's so new and it has such a social following to it, I can't give it a perfect score. You know what I mean? I feel like in time, it can be. But as of now, I think a solid nine and a half. I think if you haven't seen this movie, you're really missing out. I think it's important, not only for culture, but for horror and for, you know, just suspense. It's amazing. It's amazing. And this really could be a lecture on pop culture. Too, with how to do a reference properly mm-hmm. it's, it's marvelous overall so I think that's all I've got to say this week Yeah. Um, follow us on twitter at Show. email us witshow at gmail.com questions, comments, concerns and recommendations for what you want to hear um, and go check out all the movies we talked about I think they've all been pretty good this week Yeah. no real sleepers um, and with that being said we will see you next week Bye. Bye.